You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the 1960s Reboot Podcast. I'm your host, Maddie D. And this is a late one. Uh, yes, folks, this was supposed to come out on August 25th, but uh, it is now August 25th as I'm recording this. So I'm a little behind on getting this one out, but I was a little early in last month's. The wonderful Biff Bam Boom Batman commentary episode. So hey, if you haven't spent the last year listening to that over and over again, go back and check that episode out. Originally, this episode was going to be my favorite Martian but unfortunately, my co-host hasn't been available, so I'm hoping that sometime soon he and I can get down and we can discuss all things Martian with my favorite Martian. But hey, speaking of Martians, we're going to go back for this episode and take a look at an episode 15 of the 60s reboot, Lost in Space. And we're going to talk about Space Family Robinson. That's right, the inspiration for Lost in Space. So all you fans of comic books out there, go ahead and grab yourself a standard issue silver space suit that was common in the 1960s TV shows and grab yourself an edition of the Space Family Robinson Gold Key comic. Best place you could probably find that would be on your Comixology app. If you were lucky enough to find the original Dark Horse reprint issues, they are collected. You might be able to find a copy in like your local library or maybe even on the Hoopla app. All right, I want to shout out my Facebook friend, Gary Arkel. He was able to get me a copy to review of the Swiss Family Robinson digital files. So thank you, Gary. Perhaps someday you and I can sit down and talk about other issues of Space Family Robinson. So let's talk a little bit about what exactly is Space Family Robinson. Well, Space Family Robinson was the original comic book series published by Gold Key Comics. It actually predates Lost in Space television series. Both Lost in Space and Space Family Robinson are loosely based on the 1812 novel by Johann David Weiss and similarly named movies, The Swiss Family Robinson. Now, the comic book only ran for about 59 issues, from about 1962 to 1982. The first issue was published in December of 1962. In 1965, that gentleman Irwin Allen produced the primetime television show Lost in Space. Gold Key's publishers noticed the similarities between the two comic book and the show. They considered filing a suit, but decided against it, as Gold Key was also publishing another Irwin Allen title, Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea. Perhaps someday in the future we'll discuss Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea. Two companies reached an agreement that the comic could change its cover title to The Space Family Robinson, Lost in Space. And the new title appeared starting with issue number 15, then January 1966. The comic book, unfortunately, was canceled with issue 36 on October of 1969. It was brought back, however, in 1973, in part due to the popularity of Star Trek, another great 1960s television show that perhaps we could talk about in a future episode. Although I must say, Star Trek is going to be a little difficult to talk about because it's such a huge enterprise. Huh? See what I did there? Enterprise. At this point, all issues between 37 and 44 had the tag on Space Station 1. Now, once we get into issue 1 of Space Family Robinson, you learn that the family was actually on a space station called Space Station 1. The comic, again, was canceled 
with issue number 54 on December of 1977. In 1981, the title was revived as a reprint title for issues 55 through 59 under the Whitman Comics line. Now, if you want to know a little more about the Whitman Comics line, they kind of picked up where Gold Key left off. They kind of gathered the remains of the Gold Key Empire. News stories also appeared in March of Comics, numbers 320, 328, and 352, but that's really not the Space Family Robinson title that we're talking about today. The Overstreet Comic Book Price Guide suggested the series was created by famed Disney comic book artist Carl Barks. For all you Duck fans out there, like DuckTales, Scrooge McDuck, Carl Barks was known for his drawing of Donald Duck in the whole Duck series. In fact, Barks only suggested a Swiss Family Robinson in space comic to his editor Chase Craig eh, around 1960, but nothing came of it. The, the subsequent series was originated by people who had not heard of Barks' original idea, and which would have been more of an adventure-orientated series. The comic was created by writer Del Connell and artist Dan Spiegel. Gaylord Dubois became the sole writer for Space Family Robinson once he began chronicling the Robinsons' adventures with Peril on Planet 4 in Issue 8. As was typical of Gold Key Adventures, all cover art was painted by the wonderful George Wilson. Dennis? No, not that George Wilson. In the comic, the Robinsons were scientist father, Craig, scientist mother, June, and early teenagers, Tim, their son, and Tam, their daughter. Tim Tam, hmm. You know, a lot of people like to do that whole alliteration thing. I think that um, our good friend Del Connell kind of got the same idea. And Gaylord Dubois kind of continued that, much like uh, a certain Marvel writer we know today as uh, Stan Lee. Along with Pets Clancy and Yacker, a parrot, they lived in Space Station One, as I had said earlier, a spacious moving craft with a hydroponic gardens, observatory, and two small space mobile shuttlecraft. The family was selected by a computer to be the most mentally and physically qualified to man the space station. They had left Earth in 2001. Holy cow. It's amazing how when you read some of these comic books from the 60s that they set it in the far future, and now here it is, 2021, and the series was, you know, written around the year 2001. Now, I guess we can kind of say that maybe Space Station 1 is the ISS space station orbiting Earth right now, and that the actual Space Family Robinson is all those wonderful NASA and other astronauts that are on the International Space Station. Hmm, maybe. Uh, in the second issue, a cosmic storm deposited them far from Earth. The Robinson adventures continue as they try to work their way home. So there's a little bit of that lost in space as this giant cosmic storm takes the entire space station and moves it further off away from planet Earth. Okay, so let's go ahead and take a look at issue one. Now, right off the bat, you can tell that the cover, like I said, it was drawn and painted by George Wilson. And it's kind of neat because it epitomizes the 1960s stereotype of a spacesuit. Because you got to remember, this is this was before NASA. So, you know, everything was like a bubbly dome head, antenna radio coming out of their backpack, and, you know, they're, they're in some f different planet with a different atmosphere, but yet their suits are very form-fitting, and, you know, they're not like the standard NASA spacesuits that we would see today. And, of course, you know, the main characters on the cover of the issue – 
is Tim and Tam, and they're running away from some aliens in the background that are chasing them down, and they're trying to hide in this cavern that appears to have some kind of alien creature slinking in the shadows. So it's it's, it's very very iconic to like a a standard space operatic cover you would see like from Wally Wood. The issue opens up Space Family Robinson and the Challenge of Gorko. And we see the floating space station one in, in space. And there's giant meteorites coming at them. And of course, our narrator starts off with time, the future, place, the solar system, the first family to live in space, the Robinsons, June and Craig and their children, Tim and Tam. It's kind of funny that June is the only character name that is carried over into Lost in Space. Obviously, like I said, they had like a whole legal argument between, hey, oh, hey, Lost. In, this is Lost in Space, and this is, you know, Space Family Robinson. They're two different independent ideas. But yet, June must have been a pretty popular name back in the 60s. And as we turn the page, we see that there's four of them in this bubbly dome controlling the space station, and they're reacting to the, the meteorites coming at them. The meteor bumper ought to protect us from the small ones. But what about that big one? The reverse jets. We have to decelerate. There isn't time. Now, of course, I didn't realize, I didn't feel as though there was any kind of forward movement with the space station. Because it's like a space station. You think space station, you kind of think that it's kind of sitting in space. But really, it's actually moving because it's orbiting something. The meteor shower roars upon the giant space station as the protective outer shell of the station is hit by the smaller meteors and the large meteor zooms past, missing contact by a scant margin. And of course, our wonderful art shows that these larger asteroids are just missing the space station. It's a really neat neat design for the space station. I mean, we've got like a very planar looking body and a lot of bubbles. And it looks like there's a giant like telescope of this huge bubble. Because apparently while you're in space and you want to stargaze, you're going to need an even larger telescope. This, I mean, this even predates the Hubble telescope. So the people that built the Hubble telescope realized that, oh, hey, you know, if we put a telescope in space, we can see a lot of stuff, a lot of cool things. And, and the comic book reflects that. Then we get a good, a good shot of the parents. So June and Craig are older parents. I mean, the way they're kind of drawn, I would say that they're like in their mid-40s. Craig's got the Reed Richards thing happening with the graying temples, but then so does the mother. So, I mean, it looks very much like they were trying to go for a middle-aged mom and dad feel to the, the nuclear family or the space family. So they discover that, hey, we missed the meteors, but then all of a sudden the radio crackles and inside the space station, they hear a human voice saying, Akis, Rim, Dell, Chorus, Akam, Lifrom Rawl, which is untranslatable. And they learn that frequency seven, better get inside fast. I'm getting a voice, Craig, and it's not from Earth. So apparently they're being contacted from some other planet. Not that, you know, this other language wouldn't be a big giveaway. Now, our two characters, Tim and Tam, are rather surprised by this. And Tam, being very 60s girl, uses interesting phrases like, Leapy Lunar! That's only 50,000 miles from here. Practically next door, says Tim. I mean, 50,000 miles. I don't know about you, but I don't think 50,000 miles is practically next door to me. But then we are talking about space. There's a lot of it, and it's a long distance off for anything that's near you. I'll feed his voice through the speech translator. So, of course, the dad has to put the 
speech through the voice translator. Like, mom wouldn't have thought of that. I mean, she's a scientist for crying out loud. She should have figured out, oh, hey, I'll put it through the speech translator. So, of course, the computer miraculously translates it to Planet Auras calling. It's coming through. Planet Auras calling for help. We are destined to be taken over by Gorko. We need help. Auras calling for help. Please, Auras calling for help. So, evidently, they get a distress signal. So now we've already avoided an asteroid, and now we're learning about some foreign planet that has a civil war going on. And what is the standard nuclear family going to do? Well, they're going to try to help. And of course, June answers, Did you get a fix on their location? Craig replies, 419, asteroid sector. All right, level 73. Now, I have no idea how they get a, a bearing or a distance on some kind of star map, but of course, there's a nice little panel of Craig pointing to a stellar map, so we know exactly where it's at. What do you think that an average family would do? Would they all go off and try to solve the issue or solve the problem? No, let's go send our preteen kids alone by themselves in a space mobile shuttlecraft. Uh, so, yeah. So the mom and dad are like, well, we're going to hang back here. We got to, you know, repair the space station. You kids, you go off and you go have yourself a nice adventure. I mean, this is the 1960s. Obviously, they didn't believe in, you know, helicopter parenting, but still, sending two kids, two preteen kids, like, you know, 11, 12, off to go. Well, they might be twins for crying out loud. I mean, they said Tim and Tam. So let's say they're 12 years old, possibly, maybe. And they're going to send them off to solve this problem or go investigate. So Tim and Tam fly their rather interesting looking space shuttlecraft, which a lot of this artwork I'm going to go ahead and have up on the show notes. So check that out over at emcpod.net forward slash 60s reboot. There's a rather cool looking design for the space shuttle. Tim's flying this thing and Tam's sitting in the passenger seat kind of looking out and half of it's like all bubbly and the other half kind of looks like an old 1960s electric razor because they got the, the ports on the back side that kind of like evidently are the thrusters. And then it's like this rectangular but yet kind of curved look to it. Like I said, I'll have it in the show notes. You can take a look and see some of the pictures of the, of the shuttlecraft. Tim and Tam Robinson land on the planet Aureus, which oddly enough from the one panel, it looks a little bit like planet Earth. You got green land, blue oceans, and space shuttle comes in and goes to land, and they have a very futuristic looking, from the 1960s standard, landing pad. Oh, and here's one other thing that I should mention, is that not only are these, are these two kids, but they're so trusting that the alien planet says, you are within our magnetic force belt. Shut off your engines, and we will guide you in. Now, I have trust issues myself, but if I'm a 12-year-old, I'm not going to let them, like, grab my ship and bring me in, because who knows? This could be, like, some kind of aliens that are going to alien probe my butt or, you know, read my brain, and I better get my aluminum foil hat on. Hold on. So anyway, back to the story. So Tim and Tam land, and conveniently, these blue-skinned aliens come out, and they look an awful lot like humans, but yet they just have blue skin, and they have these, like, cool, like, pre-Dr. Dre headphones with antennas coming out of their headphones. You know, they kind of look a little bit like, uh, you know, how you'd see somebody walking down the street today, listening to their uh, their Bluetooth headsets or something, only that earphones were a little bigger. And, of course, we learned that your voices were picked up and translated through our speech microphone, so they immediately know that they can talk English to Tim and Tam. So it makes writing this issue a whole lot easier. 
So then Tim and Tam meet with the leaders of the planet, and they learn that there's this, this entity called Gorko who is trying to take over the planet. And Gorko is from another planet that is trying to invade Aureus. Tim and Tam decide to take a small group of soldiers with them. Hmm. And invade this other planet to stop Gorko from invading the Aureus planet. Sounds like they're trying to uh, prevent an incident by beating them to it. Or beating the bad guy to it. Alright, so let me skim through this a little bit. I don't want to give up too much, but it's rather neat that, you know, there's these two kids... And they show up on this planet with two adults that are from planet Aureus. And they're making their way through the planet trying to find Gorko to, to stop him from invading. Artwork is, it's your classic pre-code art style with very serious looking faces. Dan Spiegel, his art style is, is, is really, really neat. I mean, it's kind of gritty and grainy. You can see he put a lot of care in some of the detail work. You know, the faces are very authentic and very imaginative. It's a, it's a great style. It's a fun book to read, to sit down and, and read this and kind of see the parallels between this and the Lost in Space series. So obviously the Lost in Space series, you had a lot much larger family. You had Dr. Smith. You had the robot. You had all these characters that could be woven into these stories. Whereas with this, you know, we have four family members. Two of them are left on the space station, and so we're only focusing on the kids and, and the adventures they get into. So to save a lot of time, I'm going to stop the story here. I recommend going out, take a chance, try to find the trade paperback of Space Family Robinson. It's a fun read. It's definitely something that harkens back to the, the old comic book days. And of course, what's really neat is issue one has two stories in it. One is the Gorko story. And the other one is a story called Rescue on Asteroid 48. And again, it's Tim and Tam running off to save the day while Mom and Dad, Craig and June, are still on the space station monitoring everything. It's a fun story for, for the second half of the book where you get to learn about mud monsters. And that Tim and Tam and June and Craig aren't the only humans out in space, but there's like these space marines that were out exploring and they got stuck on this planet. And so Tim and Tam show up to try to help them get off the planet because there's a series of asteroids are going to crash onto the, onto the planet and thus annihilating the entire planet. So two fun little stories. Again, I really like the artwork very in line with some of the classic stuff you see from the 1960s. I mean, the rocket ships are, are early rocket ships. They're like straight line nose cones and, and a lot of, you know, 1950s style rocket designs. You know, everything basically looks like a, a carrot <laughs> that can launch off from space. And again, their shuttlecraft, I, I immediately think of a classic 1950s electric razor, 1960s electric razor, where the grill is like the rockets and, and the backside where you plug it in is kind of like the nose of the, of the shuttlecraft. But yeah, I don't have very much more to talk about for this issue. So I will go ahead and leave it there with the Space Family Robinson. Now, a little bit of comparison between the two. Again, they are a family lost in space. Issue one does not talk about the cosmic incident that causes the, the space station to be moved from Earth's orbit. But it has a similar premise in the fact that there's a family that's trying to get their way back home. 
The space station, of course, is their home away from home, much like the Jupiter 2 in Lost in Space was their home away from home. But yeah, if you like Lost in Space, I recommend checking out Space Family Robinson, one of the original ideas behind Lost in Space, along with Swiss Family Robinson. Folks, thank you for uh, taking the time to listen. If you've enjoyed this rambling of a comic book, check out my other comic book podcasts I have with with my kids, where we discuss all things family comic book orientated. And check out other episodes of this show, The 60s Reboot, over at the emcpod.net slash 60s Reboot, or check us out on Twitter at 60s Reboot. And hey, if you have an idea for a cool 1960s television show that you'd like to hear about, and perhaps even you have an idea of what you would like to see as a television reboot, email it to me at the email address 60sreboot at gmail.com. All right, folks. Well, thanks again for listening and have yourselves a wonderful evening. And I will see you hopefully in another 30 days with my favorite Martian or something along that lines. Take it easy and good night. 